1 Thessalonians chapter 3, and that's verses 6 to 13 for our reading this morning. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Thank you so much for your uh, invitation and your encouraging welcome to, to BH. Uh, I did attend once many years ago uh, visiting a friend uh, down here, but it's lovely to come and a great privilege to come and open God's word to, to the congregation here. I bring you greetings from Grace Church in Guildford, it's formerly known as Church Street Baptist Church, same church but with a different name. Uh, we're seeking to be faithful to Christ in Guildford as we believe you are here in, in Hove. Let's pray as we come to the scriptures together. Our God and Father, we uh, come before you in the name of Jesus, your Son, and we thank you that having given us Christ, you have given us your word in which we see Christ and are led and ruled and pastored and cared for by him. Please help me to be a faithful Bible teacher in the next few minutes and help us all uh, to have ears to hear uh, what your spirit is saying to your church for the glory of Jesus we pray amen amen please do have 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 uh, from verse 6 open in front of you and thank you for giving me such an encouraging passage and that's often a great joy of a visiting speaker to seek to encourage the congregation that he has come uh, to to serve it's an encouragement in contrast with the previous verses. Did you notice that from, from last time? Paul has been explaining uh, his anxiety for the Thessalonians that has just been relieved. You see, after his brief mission in Thessalonica, uh, the church there had been started. It was exciting stuff. But he and his mission team had been forced to leave the city due to persecution. Uh, you see that in... Um, uh, chapter 2 verse 17 then chapter 3 verse 1 we're told that later in the city of Athens Paul and his mission team could stand it no longer not knowing what had happened to this young church and so they sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to strengthen them and encourage them concerning their faith these young Christians what had happened to them they seemed to have been left on their own Paul didn't want to leave he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to stand by them. But he had been forced out because of persecution. And so he sent Timothy back. What, what would he find? Well, Paul wanted to find out about their faith. You see that in verse 5. 
He feared that the tempter, the devil himself, had tempted these young believers and that Paul's labor might have been for nothing. They may have started out looking like Christians, but would they continue to stand firm in the gospel? But it's then in verse 6 that we come to these wonderfully encouraging words that he shares with the Thessalonians. And these are the words, but, a little later, now. But now, he says. Those are words which are full of relief and encouragement and thanksgiving from the Apostle Paul to the church and for the church in Thessalonica. But now. Those words, but now, remind us that our faith is always founded in the past, of course, upon Christ's finished work, his life and death and resurrection. Uh, the, the church's faith is always founded in the recent past as, as the Holy Spirit applies that gospel message of Jesus to our own hearts in the power, uh, in power in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. So our faith is grounded in the past, isn't it? Uh, both in the truths of the gospel and in our experience of becoming Christians. And, and our faith and our hope is always set on the future as the church, isn't it? No matter how bad things are at the moment, we look forward to the coming of Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. But those words in verse 6, the but and the now, remind us that there is a now in the life of the gospel church. A life between those two times of the gospel events and the return of Jesus. So Paul had anxiety over the Thessalonians. He longed for them, not knowing what had happened to them. Paul and they were experiencing afflictions or persecution in the work of the gospel. But now, Paul also speaks of good news, encouragement, thanksgiving, and prayer. God was at work in and through them. Let's consider this, shall we? Think about the good news in verse 6. But now, he says, but now Timothy has come to us from you, church in Thessalonica. Now, if you put the pieces together, it looks like Paul is now not in Athens, but he is in Corinth. That's 220 miles away. That's about 11 days traveling by foot. But the good news is that Timothy has arrived and has brought a wonderful message, the announcement of good news to Paul about the Thessalonians. Paul's choice of the words good news in verse 6 is interesting because uniquely in the New Testament that is used, used here not about the gospel message. Normally the good news is the word that is used to describe the proclamation of the gospel, the heralding of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. But here uniquely Paul uses that phrase good news to describe Timothy's announcement of how the Thessalonians were getting on, about their faith and their love. What a moment it must have been for the Apostle Paul, who had been involved in the starting of that church, and the relief he must have felt as he found Timothy arrive back with good news about them. I wonder if you watched the football yesterday. I wonder if you could feel the relief amongst the football pundits, the football teams around the whole world, really, when the good news was announced that Christian Erickson was awake and stable in hospital. 
relief, good news. Well, here Paul receives that kind of experience as he listens to the good news from Timothy about the Thessalonians' faith and the Thessalonians' love. Remember, they've only been Christians for a few months. He receives good news about the close bonds of fellowship that continue in the gospel, even though they've been separated from each other. Timothy reported that they always had good memories of Paul and his mission team and that they longed to see them again. This really was a two-way relationship between Paul and the Thessalonians. He longed for them spiritually. How are they? And they, he found out, were longing for him. Close bond of love and fellowship in the Lord. Now, B.H., I expect you're a bit like our church in Guildford, that as we come out of COVID lockdowns, there's a bit of this kind of anxiety and longing for relief in this kind of way in us, isn't there? How is everyone? How are we all doing spiritually? How are relationships after this season where we have been separated physically from each other? Are the bonds of love in the local church strong? The alone between churches in the work of the gospel. Well, we know something of that anxiety, especially leaders in churches know something of that anxiety in Paul. And more important than the programs of any church getting underway is the spiritual health of the people who belong to the local church. Our faith and our love and our bonds of love and relationship in the gospel. Good news, Timothy announces. Well, in verse 7 onwards, you see that this good news from Timothy resulted in three things for Paul. It did stuff to him that he wants to encourage the the Thessalonians back. And the first thing is that this good news announcement, announcement brought encouragement to Paul himself as the apostle. I wonder whether you ever thought that Paul the apostle needed constant encouragement. Well, he was going through affliction and persecution at this stage in his ministry as an apostle. And the news that Timothy brought him brought great encouragement. Look at verse 7. It says, Therefore, verse 7, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we, that's Paul and his mission team, were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, says Paul, because you, Thessalonian church, are standing firm in the Lord. It's amazing to think that, that one church can have such an impact upon another person because they're standing firm in the Lord. Now this uh, language of encouragement is interesting, isn't it? Look at chapter 3, verse 2. You see that Paul had sent Timothy to himself strengthen and encourage the church in Thessalonica concerning their faith. But now that the news of their faith uh, has brought encouragement back to Paul. It's a two-way thing. We go to encourage you and we end up being encouraged ourselves as we see God at work in you. Uh, friends, we must never underestimate the power of encouragement in the life of the church and between churches as well. Especially for leaders in churches who pray, who weep, who long for the spiritual health of those the Lord has entrusted to their care. 
There are times of great distress and affliction in the ministry of the gospel. And encouragement from the Lord is just the thing to keep us going. You notice in verse 7 that it wasn't just a job for Paul, this thing of being an apostle and going on mission to Thessalonica. His whole life, really, was connected to the faith of these dear new Thessalonian Christians. He speaks about, now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. You can imagine the message coming from Timothy, and as he is encouraged and overjoyed as he hears that message, he goes, ah, and breathe. They're doing okay. This is all a bit of a pushback, isn't it? And often the way that our spirituality is worked out is very singular, me, individualistic, me and my relationship with the Lord. For Timothy, his spiritual joy and encouragement was very much bound up with the, with the spiritual health of other believers. May it be so for us in the local church. Well, that's the first thing that this good news from Timothy did for Paul. It brought him encouragement in verse 7. But then, verse 9, you'll see that it also brought him thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God. The good news from Timothy about their faith and love resulted in Paul giving thanks to where thanks was deserved and should be given. And that was God. Look at verse 9. How how can we, Paul and his apostolic team, how can we thank God enough for you, Thessalonian Christians, in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? So although Paul had laboured himself and longed for them and put all of his his ministry effort into uh, the life of their church for that period of time, Paul and his team knew that this good news about their faith and love was entirely down to the work of God. Even Timothy, uh, who had been sent and, and had to travel all those miles to strengthen and encourage them, even Timothy knew in this verse that the good news was all down to the work of God in the life of the church. Paul says it's impossible for us to repay God for what he has been doing in you during this time and for the joy it has brought to us, says Paul, as we worship and pray in the presence of our God and Father. Hallelujah. God is at work in you and it has brought us joy. We rejoice with joy. Bishop Hansen, we must thank God for the cross, the centrality of the cross where our sins were paid for and we have been rescued from the wrath to come. And we thank God for the hope of heaven that is before us. But Paul says in these verses that we can and should also be thanking God now. Rejoicing in him now for what he is doing in our lives and in the churches now. And for the encouragement he gives us now. God is at work amongst us through his word, by his spirit, for the gospel. So the good news resulted in encouragement from Paul. It resulted in in, in the outburst of thanksgiving and joy as Paul and his team prayed. And that, of course, from verse 10, fueled 
the prayers of Paul himself. The good news fueled Paul's prayers. Prayer, as we know, is, is praise, it's thanksgiving, as Paul has already done, it's confession, as we did earlier, it's also intercession. Lord, please, let your will be done, let your kingdom come. And so he says in verse 10 that night and day, he says, we pray most earnestly for you. It's part of Paul's ministry, whether he can see them or not. He, he is wrestling in prayer. He's earnestly praying for this young church. He says, we praying, first of all, that we may see you again. That's the greatest way to encourage and teach. That there will be a close bond of fellowship, face-to-face interaction. But also, he says in verse 10, we're praying that we may see you again and also supply what is lacking in your faith. He's been encouraged by their faith, but their faith needs to grow. It has holes in it. It constantly needs to be fed and developed by the word of God through the ministry of the word. So you look at verse 11. Here's the prayer that Paul prays. How gracious of him to write it down to show what he is praying to them for. He prays to our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus. He shares at the same triune God, his relationship with God as the New Thessalonian Christians. To our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus. It's a reminder that the Lord Jesus is fully divine and to be worshipped and prayed to just as God the Father is. One God, three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But what's the prayer? Verse, uh, verse, uh, the, the next verse there. What is the, what's the prayer? Verse 11. He's praying that, that the God, the trying God, would direct our way to you again. He's praying that Satan wouldn't hinder this important meeting up, a meeting around the word where they can be instructed and encouraged. But then he's praying for their growth. You can see, may the Lord cause you, Thessalonian church, to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. So their faith and love are real. Uh, Timothy has, has shared about that. It's encouraged Paul. He's thanked God for it. But now he's praying for their faith in Christ to grow. And their love, the expression of faith, and their relationships with each other and the world to overflow. Faith and love, the markers of being real Christians, belonging to the church. These things must be strengthened. Love must grow and overflow in practice in the life of the church. Why does Paul pray this? Well, you see there in that final verse that just as Paul and his team have been praying in the spiritual presence of God, so the Thessalonians, he prays, along with all of God's people, will one day find themselves in the presence of God and Father fully and finally on that day of judgment. So there's a spiritual presence of God in the life of prayer in the church, but then there will be that full embodied presence in, in the presence of God at the coming day of judgment. Paul says this is the day when the Lord Jesus will come with all his holy ones, with all the saints who have died previously, and, and, and all the angels of heaven. And Paul prays here that the Lord Jesus would be at work in the life of the Thessalonians, causing their love to grow, and therefore making their hearts blameless in holiness before God on that final day. He has such concern for their growth. 
Now we know that, that, that holiness in the Christian life being set apart for God in obedience uh, to his commands, as we'll see in the rest of the letter, such holiness will never earn a salvation. It's not the grounds of our salvation. But as Paul explains here, it will be the evidence on that last day that we are saved, that we are standing firm in the Lord. Holiness, blamelessness, not perfection, but blamelessness before the Lord in the way that we have uh, sincerely lived our lives for him is the great evidence that we are truly saved by grace. Works always follow, don't they? Well, this progressive holiness that Paul prays for in the light of the coming day of Jesus will be the theme of chapter 4. But Bishop Harrington, this has been such an encouragement for me, this this chapter. And it reminds me as a member of a church, as you are members of this church, that our faith and love, which is recognized and real, truly is a source of encouragement to others and thanksgiving to God for others. And truly, uh, your faith and love is a matter of prayer, not just for your leaders here, but also for the leaders of other churches who thank God for you in partnership in the gospel. May your faith over this coming year as you regroup after COVID be strengthened through the word. May your love, the application of your faith, truly begin to overflow in your relationships with each other as you care for each other and practically serve each other. And may that overflow not just to you in the church, but to those outside. That's Paul's prayer. Friends, if you're here today and you are not yet a born-again believer, if you're not yet uh, united to Christ by faith, having repented from your sins then learn from these verses that the local church is not just a group where people work hard to keep things going. Rather, it is a group where God the Father and the Lord Jesus are at work today. So may this same message, this same good news that formed the church, the message of the crucified and risen Jesus who died once and for all for sinners, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. May that message come to you if you are not yet a believer. May it come to you not just in word as it's explained from the front, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with full assurance. And so you, unbeliever, as you feel yourself a sinner, under the righteous judgment of God, having to face him one day, may you find great hope in the gospel. And may the same God and Father that that Paul followed and served give you that gift of faith in Jesus, that trust in Jesus. Something which will grow and be accompanied by a transformed life and love. You see, only then, by, by trusting in Christ and learning to stand firm in the Lord as part of the local church, uh, will you grow to become more like Christ, grow in holiness, and be ready and confident to stand in the presence of God, who is the believer's father, as your judge. May the Lord work in you, friend, that even today you would welcome this message of Jesus with joy. 
and become a source of encouragement, thanksgiving, and prayer for others in the church. God bless you. Let's pray together, shall we, in the light of that. Father, thank you for the insight into Paul's fatherly love and concern for these Thessalonian Christians. Thank you, Father, that beyond that, he had great thanksgiving and trust in you to do your work of establishing and strengthening the faith and love of those believers. And Father, we thank you that as a church, uh, we can take the same comfort. We thank you for the leaders of this church who labor hard to love and care for and pray for the church family. But we thank you ultimately uh, that you are the Father and the Lord Jesus is at work to increase the love and strengthen the faith of all your people here. We pray that the next year will be a year of evident growth in faith and evident overflowing love, we ask. All so that we can stand with confidence in the gospel on that final day when the Lord Jesus returns. Please seal these truths in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.